Hi, welcome to The Slow Reader. I'm Steve, and this is a podcast about books. Well, this is it, the final update for Gone by Michael Grant. I started reading it March 5th and completed it June 5th, which is three months. Uh, there are a few notes I made er- in earlier episodes that I'll circle back to at the end of this episode, but I just found it amusing at how wrong I was at the early parts of the book. One note before the final chapter summaries. I wondered last episode what caused the mutations in the first place, whether it was some sort of slow leak. I realized in the last week that there might have been a throwaway line that explained it. From page 13 of chapter 2. The power plant was just 10 miles from the school. No one in the town thought about it much anymore, but a long time ago, in the 90s, there had been an accident. A freak accident, they called it. People said that's why Perdido Beach was still a small town, why it hadn't ever gotten really big like Santa Barbara down the coast. The nickname for Perdido Beach was Followed Alley. Not very many people wanted to move to a place called Followed Alley, even though all the radioactive fallout had been cleaned up. I had forgotten about that part, but the scene in The Martian when Watney digs up a radioisotope thermoelectric generator jogged my memory. So, is that the answer to why Perdido Beach children and animals began mutating? Let's dive in and find out. Chapters 39 to 41. It's the calm before the storm. Idilio fills Sam in on his recon mission to figure out what powers are at their disposal. They have Sam, in addition to Taylor, teleporting, and Brianna, who wants to call herself the Breeze because of her super speed. They also have Decca, a former Coats kid, who can affect gravity in localized areas. They learn Orc returned to Perdido Beach looking ragged. They go to his house, where Orc tells them about Drake having Lana and being attacked by the Coyotes. They also see that Orc's wounds are filled in with some sort of gravel, which seems to be spreading. Back at Coates, Diana tries to convince Kane to make a deal with the Perdido kids. They're eventually going to run out of food and will need supplies from town. Kane isn't listening, and Drake returns, with a new tentacle in place of his arm and the pack of coyotes. Sam figures that Kane will attack the next night. They hold counsel to talk strategy and decide that Adelio should take over if Sam poofs. He reluctantly accepts and has everyone's support. Astrid reveals to Sam that she also has the power, that she has some sort of intuition about people's potential, seeing it as streaks across the sky. For Sam, she sees a shooting star. Positive, that means he's destined for something fantastic. Meanwhile, Diana sends Jack on a mission. Drive to Perdido Beach to tell Sam how to avoid disappearing. She suggests that maybe Sam can say no to whatever temptation's on the other side. Jack starts driving, but is quickly pursued by Howard. He drives off-road and makes his escape from Howard, but gets lost in the process. Chapters 41 to 45 The countdown ticks down to three hours. Taylor, the kid who could teleport, acts as a scout and reports the arrival of Kane and his crew, six cars moving into town, slowly. They stop at the school, and while they can see Kane and Diana, they're not sure if Drake is with them or not. Sam makes his way toward the school, and Decca, the girl who controls gravity, meets up with them along the way. Sam hopes that he hasn't made a tactical mistake as they get closer to the school. In the meantime, Jack is trying to navigate his way in an SUV toward Perdido Beach. He has no idea where he is and eventually is caught by a brother and sister, the girl aiming a shotgun in Jack's direction. They recruit Jack to try and fix their Nintendo Wii. Sam and Decca arrive at the school to find Panda standing guard. He's quickly dispatched and they enter the school. 
Inside, they find just one Coates kid holding a club, no one else. Sam realizes that he's been tricked. Kane is somewhere else in Perdido Beach. At the daycare, Quinn spots a huge pack of coyotes racing toward them, ready to overtake Mary and the other preschoolers. Drake, with his tentacle arm, is coming up the street behind the pack. Quinn can't bring himself to shoot Drake and misses his opportunity. Seconds later, he hears the children below in the daycare screaming in terror. The coyotes have burst into the daycare. The kids are being knocked over or held down by the animals. Drake enters shortly after and reveals that pack leader is following his orders now. Mary and the children will all be safe as long as they do what Drake says. Drake says the word, pack leader will allow the coyotes to attack and eat the children. After all, the coyotes are very hungry. Kane sends a messenger to relay his demands to Sam. First above all, if he doesn't follow Kane's orders to the letter, Drake will turn the coyotes loose at the daycare. Sam is to get all the other children into the plaza where they can be seen and send the kids with the power into the church. Sam accepts Kane's terms and sends the messenger back to him. Sam decides that they are going to try to stall for time. He'll gather everyone together, but they won't be quick about it. They'll encourage some of the kids to put up a, a bit of a fight so that the entire process drags on. At the daycare, Taylor suddenly appears with a tray of raw hamburgers, which she throws against a wall. The coyotes, who are hungry, all lunge toward the free meat in a feeding frenzy. Then, some of the coyotes start to float. Decca is on the other side, using her power to lift them up as a target for Sam to blast away. Several coyotes are burned, and the rest escape in panic. The rest of the kids gather between the plaza and the church, and Sam waits for Kane to show himself. He looks at his watch to see that there's a little over an hour until his time is up. Kane and his group pile into a couple of cars and head towards Sam, but are stopped by the pack of coyotes. Kane convinces pack leader to follow him, using the promise of food, the plaza full of kids, to win his allegiance. Chaos ensues as the coyotes and the two cars race into the plaza. Kane confronts Sam and starts raising his hands towards the, the church, bringing it down on top of all the kids inside. He brings the church to within one push of collapsing. Sam and Kane fight with their powers against each other until Sam runs into the burned-out apartment building he ran into days earlier. He's trapped as Kane brings the building down on Sam. Chapters 45 to Final Kane thinks he's won. Sam is trapped underneath the rubble, and the coyotes are attacking the kids. Drake is also somewhere fighting Orc, who now closely, more closely resembles his namesake than ever, with the stone growing over top his wounds. Diana tries to get Kane to stop the coyotes from attacking the kids, but he doesn't listen and knocks her away. As he's distracted, he sees a bright light burst out of the fallen building. Sam bursts his way out of the rubble. Meanwhile, Decca helps free the other powered kids, including Astrid and Little Pete, from the church. Kane grabs Astrid as a hostage. As Sam and Kane are standing off against each other, Diana attempts to give Sam the secret to beating the poof. This distracts Kane, and he drops Astrid, allowing Sam to extend his hand toward Kane. He has a clear shot, but suddenly time starts to slow down around him. He realizes that his time is up. His mother appears before him, wishing him happy birthday. She tries to convince him to come with her, but Sam resists, thinking of Astrid on the other side. Kane appears opposite Sam, and their mother tries to unite them both. But when neither are willing to leave, their mother turns into a terrifying monster. The monster claims that it is their future, and that Kane will come willingly to it in time. The monster fades away, and time resumes its regular pace. Sam reacts quicker than Kane, and he has his hand on Kane's head, ready to end everything. 
Sam forces Kane to leave town and never return. Kane complies and drags Drake with him to leave town. The remaining coyotes follow them out of town too. The Perdido Beach kids have won the battle. Thanksgiving dinner is served and the kids choose to eat next to the graves dug for all the kids that died during the battle, 19 in total. Sam gives a speech giving thanks for the kids who lost their lives and to the heroes who helped to protect the town. At the very end, pack leader takes Kane through the desert, leading him toward the darkness. Well, the author takes some lines from the song A Cry for Help in a World Gone Mad by Agent Orange. I thought this was a little cheesy, and it was topped with a reference to R.E.M.'s It's the End of the World as We Know It. Didn't quite work for me, but I looked up the song on Spotify. It seemed to me like a basic punk song that didn't really stand out. Wasn't my type of song, but the lyrics definitely fit the story. Uh, well, when Jack gets lost in the dark on the dirt road, it reminded me of Dennis Nedry getting lost in Jurassic Park. I thought at first he wasn't going to make it out alive, but he gets some outside help by a couple of new characters, probably introduced for the next book. The book didn't pull any punches. I didn't actually expect any kids to die when I started reading, so I was a bit surprised when they did, and in some cases pretty brutally. I'm not sure why I was surprised by this, but, uh... Then I fully expected it in The Hunger Games, perhaps because I was aware of the premise of that book going in. I also liked that this wasn't a stray-up young adult science fiction novel either. It was, it had some horror elements to it and some body horror too. Here's my Goodreads review. An entertaining, an entertaining book with a few flaws. I can't give it less than three stars because I definitely enjoyed it. I did some cursory research also into how the series progressed, but I couldn't really find anything beyond the book summaries. For one of the later books in the series, though, Diana apparently has a baby, so it sounds like most of the kids beat the poof. I did some quick checking on what people thought of Gone, and I found a thread on Goodreads about what people thought the author's purpose for writing this was. Nothing really profound came out of it, but I tend to agree with the general consensus. There wasn't really a purpose. The author just thought this was an interesting story idea. I don't feel like the answer of what caused the phase was really answered, but just more or less suggested. So here's what I think, and I'm probably not going to read the rest of the books to find out. So the meltdown in the 90s was buried deep, or the fallout was buried deep in the abandoned mine, which caused the initial mutations. I think in this story, Little Pete is about four years old, um, and the book was written in 2008, meaning the 14-year-old's would all have been born around 1994. Little Pete, uh, who's autistic, a point hammered repeatedly in the novel, Little Pete's imagination creates the darkness, and this isn't something that's actually developed on its own. During the meltdown that Astrid and Sam watch on the video, Little Pete uses his strong powers to stop the meltdown and create a bubble around Perdido Beach. I'm not sure why 15-year-olds and up disappear, but maybe he was just really focusing on making the adults go away in general because they were bothering him and making him feel scared. And the age mark could just have been a coincidence. Uh, that's all I've puzzled out for myself. Uh, what do you think? You can get in touch with me on social media at Stephen underscore G on Twitter. Well, pop culture corner. Uh, I haven't really been watching anything new or reading anything new. Um, I managed to convince my wife to start watching Game of Thrones. As of tonight's recording, We've just finished season three, episode three, and I figure I figure season three must have been a favorite of mine because I remember these scenes really vividly. While we're rewatching, I'm also going back and listening to a cast of kings uh, who started with season two in their coverage. 
I'm still plodding along with the Dune in my reread, but it's going slowly because I've been trying to get to other stuff, uh, trying to get other stuff read in the meantime. Well, what's next? In two weeks, I will have a bonus episode. Not going to mention what it is yet, but I think you'll enjoy it. Two weeks after that, I will start with Saturday Night Ghost Club, reading chapters one through three. I love the book so far. Um, and some quick notes. I am toying with the idea of presenting books in consecutive weeks instead of doing this bi-weekly and taking a couple of weeks off between books, but I'm not sure if that works logistically for me because sometimes I don't have time to record. Uh, but I'm interested to hear what you think. Well, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.